Well, welcome to another of these Ecclesia Conversations. And today I'm here with Dev Menon, and it's great to have him with us. We're going to be talking a little bit today about church and the pandemic and these lockdowns. Dev's going to be reflecting on his uh, experience and the scriptures there as well. Dev, great to have you with us. Hi, Sam. Uh, good to be here. Fantastic. This is the this is the first of these where I've been doing doing it with someone who's in a completely different time zone uh, to me. I think I got the worst end of the deal in this. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's three thirty in the afternoon over here. I know it's really early over there. It's you've had a full day of work. Tell us, kind of, where where are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Singapore, uh, where I've been for the last twelve years. Uh, before that, I was. Uh, 10 years in London uh, as an apprentice for the last few years in uh, All Souls Clubhouse, uh, where we kind of know each other. Uh, but yeah, for the last 10 years, I've been back here and uh, now I have four children and um, we are a pastor of a local church. Um, it's kind of a mid-sized Singapore church. Uh, mid-sized, it, it means different things in different countries. Uh, so uh, on an average Sunday, we have about a thousand members gathered in about eight different languages. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, that, that's, as you know, that's large church here. I wish, and, and we should pray for that, that that would become a mid-sized church in the UK. What, what languages are spoken in, in your church? I mean, ours is a primarily English church, so the vast majority are the English congregation. It's not true for all the churches in Singapore, but almost every church will have... Uh, the other languages and dialects as either sub-congregations. So we will have Mandarin, uh, Cantonese, Hokkien. Uh, then we have uh, things like Tamil for the, 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 the more from India population. Yeah. And a few other smaller cell groups in things like uh, Bahasa and Tagalog, which are the Southeast Asian things. But they tend to be much, much smaller, more like little Bible study groups. Right. Uh, but that's Southeast Asia for you. Yeah, yeah. The, f the food must be amazing in your church. I, I, I presume like like here, we've not been able to eat together really uh, as churches. But uh, I don't know if you have church lunches with a congregation of a thousand, but food must Oh be yeah, amazing. I mean, that's something that's been totally destroyed because um, only licensed F&B venues can provide food okay. um, from now on. So we're not allowed to, we used to have uh, tea, but it's a bit more extensive than tea after every service. Right. Uh, um, not not quite a lunch or what, but uh, reasonable tea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. but now that's all gone. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I can't wait for the day where. Well, for us, you know, where we could have church lunches again and e even eating together in homes, which we've not been able to do for mm, the vast majority right. of the time. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna reflect actually on this past year yeah. and church in the pandemic, church in lockdown. And what have we been learning um, this past year? And also what lessons can we take forward into uh, the future? Um, but, but let's start, obviously this last year has brought opportunities to reflect upon the church. And I know many people have been doing that. When you think about what God says about church in scripture, what, what grabs you? I mean, our, the way we've trained our, for example, our small group leaders has always been uh, to use uh, life together, right, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. And so our idea of church is that uh, people gathered uh, under the word of God, 
to live life under the word of God. So our primary focus has always been we've got to deliver, proclaim, study, read, meditate on the word of God. Uh, and that was our dominant view of church. That's where all our efforts have been generally centered around uh, until COVID. <laughs> sure. Um, just just yeah. quickly, I mean, if anyone's not read Life Together by, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, it's 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 worth a read. It's it's all, it's only short, really. But like, just firstly, I mean, why did you pick that book? Did you choose that, or was was that in place before you arrived? No, it wasn't in place. But I think uh, a few of us, uh, which had uh, some level of uh, apprenticeships or trainings elsewhere, this was one of the books that we picked up along the way. Yeah. And when we came back, we all kind of resonated, saying, "Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one that's going to teach us uh, what." Uh, the dynamics of church and expectations of church and focus of church should be all about. Mm -hmm. And in short, that's a bonus. Yeah. It's not particularly simple in some of the phrasings, but the ideas uh, are quite powerful. So, uh, uh, so we, we, use, we use some of that as reflections for all our small group leaders training, which uh, the small groups are like these sort of mini church kind of settings anyway. So... Mm -hmm. Um, but in practice, although that has a, a lot of nuances, in practice, our efforts have been, okay, we focus a lot on the sermon. We focus a lot on the, the discussions after the sermon. We focus a lot on the Bible studies in the small groups uh, on the passages surrounding the book we're looking at. Mm. Uh, that's been the trajectory so far. Nice. So if your church is kind of life together around the word of God. Yeah, so I would say that COVID would, uh, uh, when we, when COVID hit, if you don't mind, I just straight into this, because I said, like, we think along the way, right? Yeah. Uh, the, every week we were hit by crazy government restrictions. Mm -hmm. And they'd tell us on Friday and say it's in the law on Saturday, mandatory with prosecution on Sunday. Wow. And that is how fast you have to get things done in Singapore. Um, so you have to make it happen sure. and, and very often either reporters or the police will come around to check huh. wow um. <laughs> just, so just on that you, when did you go into lockdown for us it was March and, and I believe we found out Tuesday or Wednesday in a particular week that we weren't going to be allowed to meet on a Sunday so we did have a few days and for us the conversations was like you know, what are we going to do online? You know, are we going to use Zoom or YouTube? And I hadn't yeah, yeah. heard of Zoom before. Yeah, yeah. YouTube or Facebook Live, and we settled on Zoom. But we had but ours was quite early, right? Because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're a pretty popular destination for China, right. right? In terms of business, it's a very one of our biggest partners. So uh, by 23rd January was the first case. Um, and by February, uh, the government was already saying, okay, we've got to do something. And by the end of February, a new restriction would come in every week, usually announced on Friday, effective Sunday, uh, by your, your next church meeting. Uh, and as it escalated, the restrictions got more and more pronounced and in more and more arenas uh, every week until about, uh, I think, April and May were our complete lockdown periods right. and then june was very very small relaxation okay uh, and then only in july there was some level of uh, being able to interact with other human beings in flesh 
Right. So, and what what's the situation right now? Uh, so right now, um, it's in what's called phase three, um, uh, which is the final phase uh, where uh, groups of eight can meet together to have interaction, um, but all have to be masked unless you are in FMP setting. Um, Organizers of events can do groups of 50, but they have to be in subgroups of eight. Mm. And uh, at any one venue, there can be 250 persons, but they have to be in non-meeting groups of 50 and in subgroups of eight. Okay. So all that's in law, yeah. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> wow. So talk us through then so from kind of the start of this when those first decisions were needed to be made talk us through your kind of process as a as a staff team um you know, what decisions did you make why did you make them uh, yeah yeah so um i mean the the year actually was uh, insane for me because um the first of january at 12 30 a.m I got a call from Thailand to say that my other pastor, the senior pastor, had met with an accident. And that was quite a serious accident. And it ended up him taking three months off. Our other pastor, is the only other pastor, was off on a six-week mission trip. And so when COVID hit, I was the only guy <laughs> standing. Wow. And and so I was like, oh, this is nice. I have no consultation. I have nobody else to talk these things through. We have some staff, some ministry staff, some administrative staff. Uh, but generally, you call all the shots and you have to deal with all parties, uh, whether medical or spiritual or, or logistics or operations. And so I just would spend 12 hours a day answering messages. And I, and I would have to be ruthless almost, get it done. It's in law. It happens tomorrow. You need to do this. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was completely... I, I mean, generally speaking, uh, it, just the experience of it was uh, uh, all my arteries were open all the time. I, my whole body was on fire constantly for weeks uh, in some sort of that kind of traumatic experience. Uh, which I did have to check with a therapist after that, like what was the effect of that. But so yeah, every week we have to decide, right? What goes, what stays, what is, what do we do? And okay, our focus was like, like, like the thing that we have to, 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 to hold on to when a lot of the other ministries are, are, are unable to run is the, is the service. And the thing in the service to hold on to, as we said, is the word of God. So that's why we put all our energy into making sure that the sermon was preached, was recorded, was transmitted in a quality that people could see and hear and understand. Uh, we put all our energy into that. Uh, all the other elements of anything that involved interaction or corporateness, well, there was no kind of point because the only guy doing the record, there's only one guy doing the recording and one guy doing the speaking. So you couldn't hear anybody, you couldn't see anybody. We said, like, there, there is no point in doing any of this. Yeah. Uh, even the song stuff, we didn't manage to get, you know, our sort of video recording set up then until a few weeks later. So we just kind of relegated it to, okay, you just, this is a Spotify playlist. Go listen and go. Uh, 
uh, one thing we need to get is your word to go out there and we encourage those in cell groups uh, after hearing the sermon. And we just spend a little bit of time in, in pastoral prayer. Uh, go Zoom your cell group, discuss what you heard, uh, and then share how things are going. Uh, and the cell groups that were already functioning well did that and I mean, did had some, did quite well. And the cell groups who, who were already struggling didn't do that and basically collapsed. Right. Um, so later on, we found that COVID was actually an audit of everything we were doing, relationships, leaderships, ministry styles. It was a test, right? It was a trial. Um, and if you can add to that a discipline and evaluation, all, all those lenses we did use, those lenses to, to take that from God rather than, uh, that it's his initiative this happened and it's him telling us stuff. Uh, it didn't have to be judgment, but it could be discipline. Yeah. Uh, right? So, um, so yeah, so we brought that down all to just like, okay, the sermon's going to be broadcast until we hit the issue, of course, because once a month we do Holy Communion. And this caused an explosion because nobody could agree. Uh, not in our church, not in our denomination, not in the whole country, uh, not across any denomination. Um, should we do virtual Holy Communion? Is that even Holy Communion? Uh, what is this thing all about? And for some reason or other, I said, no way are we doing virtual Holy Communion. It doesn't make any sense because I cannot, we wouldn't do virtual baptism. Everybody agreed on that. We wouldn't do virtual meals, although I said for some people with severe depression, virtual meals did help. So, okay, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but generally speaking, this doesn't work. It makes no sense. It, the communion is communing with each other. So I said, no, it will have to be a sense that things are not right. A sense that we can't gather. A sense that we are fasting and lamenting and mourning. And we actually did a short mini-series sermon on lament. Uh, not, not specifically on communion, but in, in place of communion, we did a, a, sh a 10 minute lament uh, 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 liturgies uh, saying, when can we gather? How long? Oh Lord, why is this happening to us? That kind of thing, instead of the communion celebration. So it's not a time for celebration, it's time for lamenting. Uh, but yeah, I think the most heated debates of all more than whether or not we are causing physical trauma to others by interacting <laughs> was whether or not we should have only Was it? Wow. I think we have like similar debates here in the UK as well. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm totally with you on this one. Um, that, you know, it's hard to think of a more physical thing that we do uh, than holy communion we, we gather together you know face to face to eat bread and drink wine um but i, I do know of churches that have kind of have gone I, well i know of churches that have done drive-through communions um <laughs> it's interesting to be fair we were thinking of delivering to every member mm. and then we'll all take it together like that but thankfully we didn't because it might kill yeah, it might kill us. So that's how far we were prepared to go. Wow. But I mean that, that's an important one though. Um 
you know, Holy Communion. I mean, the the it, it, I'm, I'm obviously an Anglican vicar, and Article 19 of, of the 39 Articles, like which kind of defines church, says it's where the word of God is preached and the sacraments are duly administered. And so, you know, for Anglicans, the preaching of the word and and holy communion and baptism are central to what church is and like you we've not been able to do holy communion for well it's it's probably just come up to a year now um, wow okay. yeah and, and it's our tolerance well, level is three months yeah well this, this is the this is the thing and and for me it's been a source of well pain and tragedy and um, but just the, the way that the, the, the rules and, and also some of the Anglican uh, thinking around communion. So, for example, we're not allowed to, um, the, the, the wine has to be in a common cup, one cup. We're not allowed to do individual cups, um, which actually makes it quite difficult to do that, um, it, you know, in a, in a pandemic. But it's, it's been a really difficult one, actually. And yeah, negotiating that with people obviously uh, has been has been a, a challenge. But you know, I want to get back on that as, as soon as we can. But that's proven to be difficult. And um, yeah, yeah. But 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 thinking about that, right? So the so I mean, I was totally understanding, and so we we didn't pass any judgment on any fellow church or church leader that said that okay, we're going virtual community because people are. This is this is a means of grace, and we want to give as much grace to people in this setting as possible. Um, but the argument was like, no, that to me was that it loses. Like, so I, I wrote an article saying, when does a sign lose its significance? Mm. Right. So, Holy Communion was using sort of sign and seal language. In, in mm. the, the, like, how much of it has to go before it's meaningless? Right. And so we said, like, you know, if, and as we try and boil it down to, if we can't do this, 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 then it is, it kind of loses the whole point of it. We might as well not do it. We should do something else to communicate what kind of scenario we're in, uh, like a lament, like uh, a time of fasting or prayer or something like that. Sure. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, if if during the pandemic the lowest income groups were highlighted, and church members would go out of their way to deliver food to them, then communion should be at least like that. Mm. Mm. We go and deliver it to you. That's the sign of grace. Not you go and get it yourself or something like that. So, did, did, uh, so I said, if we could deliver it, I would say that would be even stronger. Wow. Huh. That we actually went and gave it to you and said, right, right, we're going to give it to you, but you wait. Give it to everybody. Now we take it together. We'll take it. Wow. Uh, did you manage to do that? Or is that just logistically impossible? We planned for it, but because this, the lockdown went on full on and we couldn't, we're not even permitted to do that. We couldn't leave your home unless you were... Uh, authorized to go to a certain workplace um, so that that was out the window um, but we a sister church of ours did manage to do that um, and because also they had about one third of their membership as well so it, it was it was possible and so they would they, and of course for logistics they delivered three months at a time rather than one month. sure uh, fair enough wow. so i thought you know doing that does communicate like you know this is Christ coming to you and feeding you and meeting you in your time of need, but you've still got to do it with your brother and sister in some ways. So, yeah. uh, so that, that was a, a, an option that we left open and that we were willing to consider if it was, you know, delivered and on Zoom and we all did it together. Um, not great, but 
but yeah, virtual thing was just too much for us, I think, yeah. or for me. Sure. But then, to be fair, the counter question is where the church thing comes on again. Is if you say that virtual communion is not communion, then is virtual church church? Mm. And so initially, we we're like, yeah, you know, people are listening to the word of God. That was our focus in discussing it in church. But then after a while, we're like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it isn't church. Maybe it isn't a worship service. And we were really thinking that is because. Um, what was happening is, okay, we, we do ours on YouTube, right, not on Zoom, and we leave the YouTube recording up for, you know, a week or so. Yeah. Um, and people would no longer log in at that time. Mm. So it's not a gathering anymore, not an assembly. Yeah. Then they listen to it later and later. Then they listen to it the next day. And actually across Singapore, we, were, we had lots of statistics on this. They wouldn't listen to it at all. Right. And even pastors wouldn't listen to it at all. Really? Huh. Just because it's like, why bother? It's always there. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, and yet it's never there. And we also found that um, the more people were doing it at home, the more they were making it comfortable to do it at home. Which is sometimes a good thing, right? Get a bigger screen, uh, put in a setting that you can hear. Maybe you can hear even clearer than when you're actually physically present because you've got great earphones. Uh, all the quality of the broadcast was increasing because everybody's learning how to do it better. But that whole comfort level was causing all kinds of other problems because now you no longer had to tolerate the other person. Hmm. Think of the other person, engage with the other person, serve the other person. Uh, and in fact, when, when some people started to come back to church after a few months, they, they one, one guy told me this, wow, I have to learn how to interact again. Wow. It's very disconcerting. <laughs> That's how he said it. <laughs> because he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, previously I could handle the crying baby, the, the person who's coughing, the... The guy who, you know, maybe just uh, got sick and needed some help on the spot, uh, the, the thing that didn't work. But now, I'm not really so keen. Wow. And so you had higher levels of broadcast, higher levels of discussion, but lower levels of actual service and love and engagement. And someone, a parachurch group did another survey as well here, and they said that evangelism dropped drastically. Now, you would think that's really weird because you have thousands of public broadcasts now, yeah. but nobody's actually telling anybody about gospel because nobody's got anybody to bring the person to. Right. And so people's reverence, passion, uh, compassion, if it was there, they found a way and they did incredible things. If it was kind of here, not here, not there, it just tanked. And so, you know, we thought, I thought about churches, people gathered around to hear the word of God. Initially, we were like, yeah, the word of God, the word of God. But now it's like, no, gathers to hear the word of God. That is something about that that makes, us, that makes you pay attention to each other, even as you pay attention to God together. That is fundamental to church. That's probably why it was called the assembly, right? 
Uh, and if there, there's no gathering, then you pump in all you want. It's, it's television, it's consumer stuff, it's intellect, it's nothing. Maybe it's worse. Uh, so once the rules released, we were very, very aggressive. And we were quite united on this. Uh, people came in from different angles. Some people were worried about social elements. Some people were worried about the, the isolation of the seniors element. Other people were, but theologically for me was no. Without the gathering, this doesn't work. Um, um, and so we pushed very hard, very fast. As many people in person, we will increase to triple the services if we need to. Mm. Uh, get them back in church. Even, and you know, we cannot sing till this day. Singing is banned mm. in the whole country. So as long as you're with another person who doesn't live with you, you can't sing. Uh, so there's no singing in church. We can now allow to pray with one another and all, and, and liturgy is allowed as well by the government, spoken responses at that number. Yeah. Um, but it says it doesn't matter, just being there with that person and anything you can interact and be in the presence of others does something, change, is transformative in itself. Yeah. Um, and so that was a bit of what we were learning and we're like, I would have never thought this before. You know, I thought like, oh, you know, because the Bible study is increasing and lots more things are learning, it'll be better. And I was like, no, that's not enough. Wow. Uh, Oh, Deb, there's so much there, actually, I'd love to, to pick up on. Uh, probably not going to be able to, to cover it all. But in short, I mean, the, the message there is as, as lockdown eases, get gatherings going, uh, whether that's Sundays, uh, midweek groups, get those physical gatherings going. And, you know, it, you, you spoke there about kind of the so-called online virtual church and offered some critique of that. And I really encourage people to, to, to think that through. And, you know, one verse that's kind of been with me throughout this, this pandemic is, is actually second John 12, uh, where, where he says, though I've much to write to you, I'd, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. And I think yeah, that's, yeah. that's worth just pondering that, you know, he obviously makes use of the technology of his day, you know, the, the pen and ink um, used to, to write letters that, that form so much of the, the New Testament. But actually, even these, these letter writers want to be face to face with the people of God so that their joy may be complete. It's as if something happens when we're gathered face to face that doesn't happen over technology. Um, yeah, and yeah, and you know, again, Dev, we've had uh, similar debates going on here. So there have been churches and, and, and elite church leaders who've really been pressing into the whole idea of virtual church and online church. And I think one of the dangers with that, and, and I will say this, that I think I think there are some some legitimate reasons to tune in online during this yeah. pandemic such as of course if you are isolating or if you're vulnerable so we've had elderly members who've just continued even though we've got physical gatherings going again who've continued mm -hmm. to tune in on zoom um, and and i think you know th there's a legitimacy to that i think there are there, there are there are many others uh, i'm not just i'm not um, talking about my church here but just generally i think there are many people who 
are, even though there are physical gatherings, are still choosing to tune in online because, of, as you've said, it's, it's easy. Um, and I think that's one of the big problems of Zoom and YouTube. It does make going to church easy, um, but actually, you know, because uh, uh, it doesn't require anything of us. And so much of church is that one another, you know, one anothering each other, um, serving one another, loving one another, confessing our sins to one another. And that's mm. very difficult to do um, when you're watching a YouTube video. Um, I just really want to encourage people just to ponder that a little bit more, the theology behind some of the things uh, that you were saying. But I just want to pick up on one thing you mentioned about yourself and, you know, and just thinking about church leadership throughout all of this. You wrote a book, um, I think it was called Plate Spinners. Was that yeah, yeah. years ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it was about, I read it years ago, it was great, but about busyness and, you know, that whole idea of sometimes ministry feels or, or can become like you're just trying to spin all these plates all over and just trying to stop them from dropping. Um, <clears throat> and I think we were pushing against that in the, in the book, pushing back against that. But actually, you were talking about how you know, that certainly at the start of the pandemic, it was just very demanding for you to a point where you even sort of said you had to go and see a therapist at one point. And I, and I think that's been the case for, for many leaders here, just lots of people burning out any just comments on on that any lessons you've learned th throughout this yeah yeah just give me a second <clears throat> uh, i actually wrote a, a follow-up theme ah okay i haven't seen that. <laughs> uh it's called the best race if you can see that i can uh and it's it's about sabbath great and, and i always believe god has a tremendous sense of humor because uh, I wrote this uh, just pre-2020, and at, I did the first sermon for our church in 2020. I said, the missing element of our church vision is that we haven't taught people how to Sabbath. Right. And then COVID hits. <laughs> oh, wow. And so I, I figured, like, okay, the rest of the church suddenly has Sabbath, but I'm going nuts. Um and so, yeah, you know, I was like, um, so the one thing I've, uh, I've always held on to, even though I work six days a week uh, and sometimes, you know, 12, 14 hour days, um, is that I've, I've, I mean, put it this way, once you get a crisis, only what is established will follow through, right? If you haven't got it there, it, it probably won't happen. You'd have to learn something from scratch. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I've quite well established is uh, that I take my Monday Sabbaths really seriously. Mm -hmm. I think without them, I would have most certainly burnt up. I mean, all the markers were there. Everybody was uh, as helpful as, as some people were. You know, I, there was no way to sustain it without that, that one day a week thing. And as I was mentioning to you just before this, uh, I haven't managed to take any leave since February last year. Um, but I take my one day Sabbath and I look for opportunities where God gives little holes or pockets of rest or, you know, he, he provides the avenue, even though I can't. Um, and I think that's, that has just, uh, allowed me to be sustained through this whole thing. Cause yeah, you know, you're dealing not just with, you have to think very profound theological things on the spot, mm. right? You have to deal with, uh, medical doctors pushing you to say why are we meeting 
in this form. Why not take the ultra safe route? Uh, thankfully, I do have a background in virology, so I can document. <laughs> so uh, you have uh, church members upset with you because things are changing. And it's not just changing in church, it's changing at their work, it's changing in their home, and it's all compounding. So what you're hearing is not necessarily just what you're doing. It's everything. Um, you, and, and, the, and things are changing. It could be you're not doing enough, you're doing too much. And a lot of decisions are judgment calls, right? There is no biblical right or wrong in some of these settings. You're just doing it because it needs to be done and everybody needs to get on this. There's no other choice. Uh, and so that constant, uh, you know, I said hundreds of messages per day, I would say at least 500 per day. Um, and that doesn't include emails yet, you know. Um, and, and you still have to do church. <laughs> who's going to write the sermons? If not a pastor on. Uh, who's going to uh, ensure that the other training is still done and that the most core ministries are functioning? I mean, you killed most everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you still have to do a lot of those things. Dev, mm. um, can, can I just ask you just to flesh out a, a Sabbath for you? Because I think there are, you know, lots of people who perhaps haven't built that into their lives or, or maybe take a day off, but aren't quite sure. What is it to, mm. to, to do that in a Christian way? Could you mm. tell us what your Sabbath looks like? And also something of what your, your work looks like as well. I mean, you hinted at some of your priorities there, but, but what are... What are what, what are kind of the big the big things that uh, are involved in your work? Okay, um, I mean Sabbath is something that you know I we had to develop over years, uh, and I don't think uh, it's it's sort of there yet. It's still there. You know there may be seasons to emphasize things and other things, but generally speaking, uh, for my Sabbath, I I mean one rule I do is I always leave my laptop in the office, hmm. and that's an everyday thing. I never take it home. So when I'm at home, I'm at home. So that's why when they forced us to work from home, I was going crazy. Because <laughs> suddenly my world was combined and life had no meaning. There was no boundary, there was no space. And I have four kids who also had to do school from home. So there were six laptops on the table. Uh, wow. uh, so it was, it was depression-inducing for the way. Um, so anyway, so I, I, my, my laptop's always in the office. And on Mondays... I would normally leave my phone in the drawer as well. So I don't have no phone. Uh, unfortunately, nowadays, you have to carry a contact tracing app, so you have to bring your phone with you. But otherwise, it would be in the drawer on a Monday. And so I... And my whole arrangement of things is to learn how to disconnect from me as a worker and to reconnect for me as a son. Mm, that's lovely. Right? And it is very hard to do. And so I have to experiment with all kinds of things to make that effort. Uh, so generally now it looks like uh, in the mornings I spend an extended time of uh, just, of course, more like a resting prayer. It means I'm not asking for stuff and all. I'm just repeating verses that I've memorized over and over again and letting them sink in. Um, because I, I think of a verse and think about it, then I thought about what will come in and I have to kill that thought and go back to the verse again. And, and so this can take quite a while <laughs> to start other thoughts coming in. 
Uh, and then I will go and read something I really enjoy reading, something edifying. Uh, uh, most of the time, it's some, some, some form of Christian books that are more devotional, biographical, uh, or subjects that really are, 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 are inspirational. Uh, then I would do extended periods of physical exercise, uh, just so the body matches where you are. Um, and if if by the afternoon I have not yet cleared it, I might have another session just to read some scripture or something. Uh, I might just put on some very strong headphones and play worship songs to get the other voices out. Uh, but whatever it takes to come to the point to say that, you know what? This is God's church. This is God's work. And for me, I am a child of God. He loves me. And that's kind of all that matters right now. Uh, uh, so everything is drilled to get to that point. Uh, and in the evening, we have, I have date night with my wife because that's the second most important relationship to check up on. Mm. Uh, so so it, it kind of adjusts along the way, but everything is to drive to that point too. Uh, as the scripture says, not do any ordinary work or to mm. kill that part of you to say that that's done, it's dead. Uh, and uh, today I'm the day where all it's just me and God and uh, renewing the re that relational status and who I am in him and everything else doesn't matter. Uh, and then secondly, sometime with my wife to renew that relationship. Mm -hmm. so that, that's my That's a glorious vision for Sabbath because I think it can be easy to think of Sabbath as a stopping work or just about stopping. Um, but actually you'll say, no, you're to do things on a Sabbath. It's just really enjoying enjoying the lord remembering who you are in him i mean because i i mean i i take saturdays off actually and because that means i have some time with, with the, the kids as well um mm -hmm. but i think one of the, the dangers of that is that it actually can become just a day of, 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 of i mean not not childcare. i love i love being with my kids but it can just become a day that's kind of focused on looking after yeah. them is that why you've taken monday off like the kids are at school and you're able to and have some of that time uh, i mean i would say that uh, for different people things work a little bit differently so i'm a bit flexible so for me yeah kids are another source of work <laughs> uh, so i prefer mondays when they're at school for the morning at least uh, so that again you know when i engage with them it's not uh, something taxing but something enjoyable yeah. um, but for for another person it might be that you know you derive a lot of joy from spending time with your kids because that's the thing that reminds you you're not this office worker or something like that yeah it reminds you of more foundational relationships and so you know so whatever gets you to that point right that idea that you remember who you are in christ who you are who your father is who you are in relation to him yeah. do that yes and do it aggressively yeah and there's not enough do more of it yes uh it's kind of from Bonhoeffer a bit too when he talks about the day alone and whatever yeah. it takes to get there and if you go back to the sort of other days and you realize that that hasn't kicked in, then you're not Sabbathing enough. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And actually, if I'm remembering his, his point correctly, I think that time alone actually will benefit the community. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Our time together benefits our time alone. Um, so, yeah, great. Yeah. And so I, and I communicate that to my church. And this is the key thing I've learned from a few other senior pastors is it's not enough for you to be strict about your Sabbath. It's for your, the rest of your church uh, to know that you're strict about your Sabbath. Sure. So I've even got my human resource elder to write in the bulletin, don't disturb me on Monday. Huh. Mm. And so someone else is saying, 
for the sake of the church and for his sake, yeah. let him spend time with God. Yes. Uh, and communicating that is very important, not just doing it, because doing it uh, means people misunderstand why you're doing it. You know? mm-hmm. So how do you communicate that as well? That's, That's really, really helpful, really helpful. And also just one, one other thing, you, you started by sort of addressing that relationship with technology as well, which is something just so important. Uh, so for you, it's leaving the laptop in the office, normally putting the phone in a drawer, and just kind of disconnecting from that so you can connect with with the Lord. And that's something really helpful just to to ponder as well there. Um, So like you say, you know, a lot of people, I remember actually someone, and I think you probably, uh, I think you use this phrase, but I remember someone else here using it, that uh, lockdown was sort of enforced Sabbath. Uh, And I think that was probably true that first lockdown, at least here, we had like a heat wave and people actually really, pandemic aside you know enjoyed the lockdown because it was like <clears throat> the brakes were put on um you know the speed of, of, of modern life and uh but actually i think that's changed somewhat and i think many mm-hmm. must have slipped back into those old patterns that's of right, that's right. work so just a good reminder there just to think again about sabbath uh, and letting our work flow from sabbath <clears throat> fantastic yeah initially there were you're right initially there were lots of people looking for the positives I think that got depleted really fast. Yeah. 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 That's it. I, I remember there was a poll that came out like a, 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 a month or two after the first uh, lockdown here in the UK. And it said something like, you know, like, I don't know, eight, I think it was about like 85%, but a big majority of people didn't want life to return to kind of pre-pandemic times. Uh, and of course, it hasn't in many ways, but I suspect that kind of relationship towards church, uh, sorry, work and, and entertainment has, has actually in some ways gotten worse, particularly entertainment, like the amount yeah. of binge watching that's that's going on at the moment. Like, you know, there are some companies that have done well out of, of this, you know, Amazon and certainly Net- Netflix. And, you know, so we want to be those who are addressing our relationship to, to work and, and entertainment. And, and a big um, help in that is uh, Sabbath. So really helpful, Deb, thank you. We've been reflecting a little bit there on church life and leadership in in the pandemic and really appreciate just uh, some some of your thoughts and reflections there <clears throat> but actually as we as we kind of move out of of these these lockdowns and and god willing out of this pandemic as well what do you think are some of the the lessons that we as, as a church and perhaps as leaders as well can take with us we, i think we've obviously touched on some of these already but is there anything else that you'd want to say to that um i mean um not to sound cliche or anything but um i think rather than having like okay now we've got some definitive lessons of how to do church i think what i've come away with is uh, god is sovereign right so he's the one that directs these things he's the one that will tell you no you haven't got it all sorted I'm going to throw a spanner in this. Um, he's the one that's going to say, actually, you will learn something out of this. Probably not what you expect. And I think uh, just to have that kind of lens whenever these things happen yeah. is the best thing to have. I mean, the, the going through change and all is traumatic and everything like that. Definitely. And I, I think he knows that. 
but to to trust that you know God is a, a good father and he's it's his church and he cares for it and no matter how drastic these things happen it's happened by his command his intent uh, and if you can keep going back to that uh, then you bring out of it what you need to bring out of it uh, rather than saying okay now if we only did church like this the pandemic wouldn't have affected us so much mm. and i want to talk about this there's no point to that because okay forget the pandemic then let's let's do radiation <laughs> something else you know uh, the next you know, everybody's looking for let's let's prepare for disease x and god is like the last thing in the world i'm going to do is disease x you're not going to see the next one coming uh, I mean, are you so small-minded, right, to think like, okay, we've got another thing done, we've got nothing covered, we've got all our protocols, and you really think I can't do that? I just showed you with a microscopic tool I could disrupt the entire global ecosystem. You really think I can't do that? Um, and so, you know, the fact that people just haven't got it, and maybe Singapore, most of all, has just tried to reestablish control so quickly. This is the stupidity of things, right? And that is really like that. Yeah. Like, no, you just got to trust that he's in charge and he will do what is good and pay attention to him. Yeah. And just don't worry about church in that sense. When it needs to change, he'll change it. Oh. And he'll help you learn. Maybe you've got the, the sentences and the verses correct. But you, as I said, you know, we were looking at the, the people gathered under the word. They were like, this, but actually says, no, you have to pay attention to this. And it's a blind spot, right? You you just can't see your blind spots, but these things expose those blind spots and you, you're not going to have it sorted. You're not going to have it covered. You're just going to say like, there's another lesson coming yeah, and it'll be good. Yes. You know, because he's good. Yeah. That's it. That That's just such a, well, a challenge, but also an, an awesome reminder because you're right. It can be so easy to think, well, when we get out of lockdown, we'll start this event or this new gathering or we'll do this evangelistic venture. Um, and of course, we want to be pressing into God's vision for church um, and, and doing the things that he wants us to do. And I think one thing we've found is actually that we, we can sometimes overcomplicate uh church and actually yeah. we've really we have been pressing into that vision you know in acts 2 of you know just devoting ourselves to prayer to the breaking of bread i mean obviously that is something that we've talked about already and it's like we've not been able to do that but we want to think about that and long for the day that's coming and, and eat to, we can't wait to eat together you know fellowship in the ways that we can and and the apostles teaching the word of god um but actually what you've just been saying is super helpful reminder that actually our attention has to be on, on, on the Lord and uh, not in the things that, that word. And yes, he works through these things that uh, these gifts that he's he's given us. And actually, that's a point that actually our, our, what we do as a church, if, if we're doing what God wants us to do, is far more really about what he's doing in us rather than what we're doing for for him. But actually, that, that idea, that, that reminder that God is, is sovereign in all this is, is a wonderful reminder. And I, I imagine for the pastor, right, isn't that liberating, right? Absolutely. Like, don't worry, you know, he's got you covered. Yeah. Right. Especially because I've spoken to a few people in, in these videos and, you know, church leaders. And I think, you know, a number of us, like right at the beginning of all this, we're like, right, let's get systems in place whereby we can make sure we're connecting with every single person in the church family each week. And just quickly realizing how impossible that 
that was and is. Um, I mean, I, I've not got a church of a thousand, um, but even, you know, a church of kind of 120, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's been impossible actually to stay in touch with everyone um, mm. at the sort of level that I'd want to. Um, mm. But actually, yeah, remembering that, I mean, I've got a job to do, pray, pray for my congregation and preach the word of God. And I want to be faithful in doing that. But you're right, it's so liberating that he he's not been every hair on our heads. Uh, he knows what's going on, both on, a, on a, you know, the, the smallest detail of every person, but also what's going on around the world. I mean, we think we're in the know of what's going on in the world because we've got the news. You know, I can see a little bit of what's going on in Singapore, but I, I don't really. He does. We've been preaching. It, it, it's interesting you say this, Deb, like for you, this pandemic, the Lord is in control of this and is doing stuff in this. And again, I, I wonder if I, I've seen some people who've tried to sort of almost defend the Lord and, and say, no, no, he's not like this hasn't come from him. Like he's he's not the one who brought this. So I've almost trying to defend him in that way. Um, but would you want to push back against that? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting you on I mean, just think of the implications if he's not in charge of this. Yeah. I mean, the world is, a, is, a, is I mean, you, okay, defend him or what, he didn't do this, but then this thing, well, either, either everything is out of control or there is no meaning in this thing. Right? So, um, yeah. no, no, I mean, if, uh, I mean, that's why we, and don't, I don't know, it is a bit of an existential spiritual struggle to hold this point, right? Because difficult things are happening yeah. and someone that you trust and regard as good is making difficult things happen. Um, but I think the, the answer is not to sort of say it's not him because then the thing becomes yeah untethered and I don't know where it goes. But, but to lean in to say it is him. And why is it him? And what is he doing in this? And he's still good, and yet he's doing this. And he loves me, and yet he's doing this. Yeah. And yes, there may be lessons to learn. Maybe there are things he wants to, to sort of tell me off about. But it doesn't make me love me any less. And love me more, I guess. You know. Um, but just lean into it and say, oh, it is him. And even greater than I know it is in, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's even better. So, and as I said, at the end of it, you, the funny thing, right, is one of the sermons I was preaching and I, I don't know if I assigned myself it or someone assigned it to me, um, uh, was Psalm 90. Hmm. Moses Psalm. Yeah. Um, really timely because it was Moses sort of saying, forget it, everything, you know, Fragile, finite, futile, death, dust, grass. Hmm. The only thing is the Lord. Yeah. Uh, let it all go. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it doesn't matter and it's glorious, right? It, it just, yeah, it opens up the possibility for every bad thing to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and not in the weird kind of positivism way, but that. Uh, uh, it is a bad thing, but, you know, it's from the Lord, so it, therefore it's a good thing, you know. Uh, um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it needs to be defended or anything like that. Uh, that's just bizarre. Mm -hmm. um, but, 
it's it's our struggle to accept these things from him. Mm. Um, but you might find more of who he is, better, uh, a better vision of who he is if you if you just lean into it. That's that's really helpful, Dev. Thank you. And we've been preaching through the book of Amos recently. Um, and, and you oh, get, we did that two years ago. So. Oh, you did it. Oh, you, you, yeah, you were prepared for it. Um, yeah, no, because again, you get the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, the Lord sends this earthquake to, to shake things up because yeah. Israel at that yeah. point were, were messed up spiritually, um, you know, empty worship, uh, injustice, rampant. Um, selling one another for the price of a, a pair of shoes. Um, yeah, and the Lord brings this earthquake. And there's this moment um, in chapter four where he's just like, yeah, I, I withheld rain from you, yet you did not return from me. I struck you with blight and mildew, you didn't return to me. I sent pestilence, you did not return to me. And so we do get this vision of the Lord in scripture that he is prepared to send disaster, not for the sake of it, but that we would return uh, to him. And, you know, I just, I think that's one of the big, the big lessons, if not the big lesson of this time. Uh, look, return. Yeah, because even personally, just to add on, and because I was doing that psalm, I was reflecting personally. Um, I think uh, the more I try to hold on to what church used to be, the more despair seeped in. Sure. But the minute I was like, no, this is the Lord, mm-hmm. let him take it. Yeah. Then I could see why was I that church was terrible. <laughs> then I took out all the ministries and said, like, right, what's wrong with our church? List them out, everything. Wow. Why do I hold on to that? Let's 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 do it again. Mm. Uh, and that began the reformatting of multiple ministries and services and everything like that. I mean again, there's lots and lots of pushback, but I was like, so what? You know? So uh, mean, church was terrible, you know. <laughs> does it mean then for you, kind of church life looks different post? Well, at, at this point than it did a year ago. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, okay, maybe if you came from the outside, you wouldn't see much difference. But uh, so, for example, um, you know, we had one main morning service, very big, uh, trying to push eight hundred in a service. Uh, now we have four afternoon English services, which is not the prime time slot. We gave our prime time slot to the the smaller congregations. Mm-hmm. The smaller congregations take the prime time. Mm-hmm. The bigger congregation takes the worst times. Mm-hmm. We put all the strong people in the worst settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so basically we go tell people there's 1, 3, and 5 p.m. None of these are great times. <laughs> Because they're used to 8.30, 10.30. We challenge you to take the most uncomfortable time. Wow. And so everybody in the 1, 3, and 5 is there voluntarily uh, and had to reorient whole Sundays. And Singapore is a very family-oriented community, so you have multiple relationships to manage once you reorient church. You have change lunches and dinners and things like that. It's a very big struggle for a lot of people. Some refused and they stayed in the morning slot. But, you know, 70% of the church reformatted to those things. All our cell groups, because our max number is eight, most of our cell groups' average size is 15 to 20, have had to say, we, are, we, we quit with Zoom. We hate Zoom. Uh, it was terrible. 
we're going to meet in groups of eight, but that means everybody's got to get on board. And children are included in that eight. Yeah. And we need the children there as well. Yeah. And so that's had to reformat and people have had to step up and people have to say, no, children are important. And suddenly children are back full on in the service, no more in Sunday school. Like, all kinds of things. So it's like, oh, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow. So, yeah. Sorry, Dad, interrupted you there. Uh, yeah, and we, we did ministries that we would have never touched before. So we, we, we had a full distribution network, not necessarily now, for six, seven months to the lowest income single residents who less mobile as well. Uh, in fact, the town council could not cope. They asked us to do it for them. Wow. Wow. So we have great relations with our government body now. We op- since all our classrooms were not being used, the, the, the Christian agencies working with uh, the government for the homeless, and there are technical homeless in Singapore, not official, said, can the churches open the classrooms? We would never have done this. We said, go ahead, take our classrooms. Uh, so for three, three to four months, we had uh, rough sleepers. Um, we, we didn't have a ministry set up for long-term stuff, but that would have never happened. Um, people's guards got let down in terms of social status, intellectual status. We even started talking to the mosque down the road. Say, hey guys, how are you guys doing? Mm. Uh, you know, things like that. And saying like, uh, would you like to see what we do in church? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not like saying we're the same or what, but we're saying like, sure. you know, you're human beings too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we want to show you God's love as well. Do you need any help? Uh, things like that. That's so encouraging. The reason I'm doing this is my my daughter's just going off to school, so I'm just waving yeah, around. No, 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 window. So, uh, Deb, that is really, really encouraging, and I think probably a good place uh, to to wrap this up. Um, yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much for 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 sharing your experience of this last year and what the Lord's been been teaching you. And I think there's some some um, themes that have been kind of running throughout uh, this this conversation uh, but just certainly that the importance of gathering together uh, around around the word word of god and um, that's that's really uh, been driven home and also just that point around sabbath uh, and resting and enjoying the lord and ret- perhaps returning to him um, if 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 that is if that is needed so thank you, Dev, so much. Uh, so much to thank. No worries. Really appreciate really it. Really good to see you. Uh, yeah, I mean, d- don't get me wrong. We're still struggling through on a daily basis. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure the Lord's got more spanners uh, <laughs> yeah. coming our way. <laughs> but I guess it's okay. He's <laughs> good. We'll expect them a little bit more this, this next yeah. time. Oh, fantastic. Well, Dev, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And thanks all for, for watching or listening and do tune in to another of these Ecclesia conversations uh, at a future date. Thanks very much. Bye.